You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Hallett. What's going on, Oilers fans? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. Once again, big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. You've heard me talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action, ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft the lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across sports and is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using the code word THPN. That stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN. To get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And since the last time we spoke here on the podcast, it uh, hasn't really been great for the Oilers. Two games against the Maple Leafs, two losses with another game on the horizon taking on Toronto. And uh yeah, third string goaltender for the Leafs on Monday night down their best player and the Oilers still couldn't find a way to pick up the W there. I definitely thought we'd see a bit of a rebound for the Oilers, but they didn't get the goaltending. The third pair on defense was not good and uh, the Oilers falling on consecutive nights. But hey, we can be optimistic, right? Maybe they turn it around on Wednesday. Maybe something good happens and uh, they can get back into their winning ways. And of course, they do take on the Calgary Flames on Saturday. We've got a great show for you coming up here. Uh, later on, we will talk to Tim Campbell. He's a writer for NHL.com. We're going to discuss the start of the season for the Edmonton Oilers and look around the North Division. We're also going to talk to Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. You can give him a follow on Twitter at the Fantasy Grind. Jeffrey, of course, joins us every Tuesday here on the Other Connor Podcast, giving you some free advice for your daily fantasy lineup, some involving the Oilers, some not. We got the variety there, so we'll get to Jeffrey in a couple minutes here. But we're going to start off tonight's episode recapping the latest Oilers loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs with a friend of mine, someone who used to work with me at TSN 1260. He's now a contributor at Fantrax. You can give him a follow on Twitter at NHL Update. Brennan Clack joins me now. Brennan, how are you doing today? You know, I'm doing pretty good, Connor. I'm, I'm pretty happy to be on the podcast and, uh, and just talking to you again. It's been a while since, since we've connected and, and we've been watching the Oilers all season long and, and finally we get a chance to kind of converse. So I'm excited. Yeah. For those who don't know, Brendan worked with me at TSN 1260. Of course, the whole COVID thing happened and, uh, the staff at our building was cut down immensely. I think there's like eight of us in the building. Per week, like it's no one's in here. Very bare bones uh, radio crew right now. And uh, glad to have you on the podcast, Brennan. I wish it was under better circumstances as you and I are talking right now. 1044 p.m. Mountain Time, Monday night. The Edmonton Oilers just falling to the Toronto Maple Leafs for the second consecutive game. Three nothing tonight over the weekend. They lost four nothing. Things not looking good in oil country. And it'll be tough to ask you exactly what went wrong. But Brennan, what went wrong for the Oilers tonight? Yeah, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Because there's a lot of things we could talk about. But I think the first thing to mention would be, for me, the goaltending. And it's only because that's how the game kind of kicked off. 
And no, the first goal to me is a really weird bounce against in a way because Leon Drysettle skates by Evan Bouchard and he, and he knocks Bouchard's stick out and Bouchard definitely was kind of deer in the headlights. Like, what do I do? And, and of course, you know, Hyman is, is going right towards his lane and he gets a great pass and he scores. But, but that second goal was kind of a backbreaker because it was a team D effort that went wrong completely. I mean, Yamamoto gets uh, outmuscled by Barabanov. Nylander outmuscles Cahoon. And then Nylander outskates right through the middle, both Bear and Bouchard. But at the end of the day, that backhand is not one that has a lot of zip on it. It's not a, a crazy backhand top shelf amazing moment. It's savable. And the difference between the games that the Oilers were winning in that 11 to 13 stretch versus these two games against Toronto for both Smith and Koskinen was that they weren't making the same saves to me. And that glove was the biggest backbreaker for me. Once it was two, nothing, it was just kind of like, Oh, it's getting out of hand, but it's, it's only the first period, but it still feels that way. So for me is the goaltending was the number one uh, starting problem, but We'll talk about a couple others as we go here. Yeah, and you know what? I, I agree with you 100%. You know, the first goal, not ideal. Kind of a weird play. Uh, one goal, lead, you know, it's not insurmountable. You can still come back from that one. The second goal, like you said, you said backbreaker. That was the exact word I had come to mind for me. Like, yeah, a lot of bad things happened, but your goalie has to make the save there. It's not a... It's not Sidney Crosby or Ovechkin breaking down on a breakaway going top shelf. It's Willie Nylander kind of just slapping at it. And he beats your six foot nine goalie who drops down glove side. And then the third goal, Morgan Riley on the power play. Not much of a chance in my opinion. I mean, the screen was there. It's deflected. Those things are going to happen. But if you get out of the first period trailing two nothing, at least it seems like there's a bit more hope than three. Like that third goal to me, maybe it's just mental, but that makes it really tough. Yeah, it does. And then from there, like, the thing is, it's still the Oilers. It's still Connor McDavid. It's still Leon Dreisaitl. This team isn't a team where 3 nothing is completely insurmountable. If you see a 3 nothing lead, you know, a lot of teams just go, okay, we're done. But but McDavid, dry power play, these things can go nuts. But you look at how the Oilers responded in the second period – and their power play just didn't get anything done because the Toronto Maple Leafs were really good at denying entries and being tenacious. I mean, McDavid had almost no room. Brody and Bogosian and and Muzzin and Hall, Riley, you know, all these guys were were really tight on him and really just kind of defending the blue line well on those entries. And not to mention, like, the effort was there, I think, but below the circles – there wasn't enough. There's a lot of plays that are being started by Darnell Nurse, for example. And look, Darnell Nurse has had a, a very successful offensive season, but the Oilers are at their best when they're tenacious down low, and then that's kind of a bonus. So if that's the driver, you're going to run into some issues. And uh, give Michael Hutchinson some credit because I don't give him enough credit. I kind of find Hutchinson's always looking a little small in his net. He always looks like he's going to be beatable. But he wasn't really beatable tonight. He made a lot of nice saves. The the one on Poliarvi kind of trickled by him the, in the third period. But but Campbell and Hutchinson are not the two guys that you want to be shut out by. But they did it. They did the job. 
And I believe the stat line going around now is the last time the Leafs shut out a team in back-to-back games was 1954. So uh, good on the Toronto Maple Leafs. All it took was playing the Oilers. Kind of an Oilers thing to do. If you are Connor McDavid, looking at Wednesday night's game against the Maple Leafs, you held pointless the last two games against them. They've done a really good job, to their credit, in kind of taking away a lot of his space. What's your mindset? Like, what do you have to do here to try to create some space for yourself? Because we saw him take that cross-check penalty. didn't look too good. Yeah, I think the the mindset really uh it's it's not just a McDavid thing to me. I think that 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 top line, you know, Jesse Poliarvi is a ferocious forechecker and he's on every puck, he's banging bodies. Like that guy is a really good two-way player, honestly. I think Poliarvi is just has a has a very high ceiling to go and and he can create space. But I don't think Ryan Nugent Hopkins has been good enough. I don't think Nuge is really helping that line at all so that if McDavid gets this pressure, there can be another guy that can jumpstart the play. I mean, Nuge took two penalties in that game that were both really degrading penalties. Uh, You know, he gets taken off that line in the third. You saw the switch between Cahoon, Yamamoto, uh, Nuge getting kind of cycled through. To me, you know, McDavid's not going to be, he's not superhuman. He's close. He's very close to being superhuman. He could be, uh, on some nights you're just like, oh my God, this is the best player I've ever seen play. But there's going to be nights in the playoffs and in tough games where McDavid is going to be tightly checked like this. And you're going to need someone to help create space or draw defenders so that McDavid can once again be free to make more plays. And, and Nuge has not been that lately and he needs to get into the dirty zones and and do more of a job to help there. Because McDavid is is I think he's gonna break out eventually in one of these games just because it's Connor McDavid. But it doesn't mean he doesn't need help. Well, Clock, I mean, I wish it was this game. I put some money down on uh, McDavid to score over two and a half points. Didn't come through, so uh, maybe I'll do that again on Wednesday. Do you think Dave Tippett decides at any point this season to put back together the line of Drysdale, Yamamoto, and Nugent Hopkins? Uh, we saw all the success it had last year, but there just seems to be some resistance from the head coach so far this season. Well, I, I want to say that Tippett's main resistance to it is just because of the McDavid line and what happens when McDavid doesn't have a guy that's that's up Nuge or Drysaddle's caliber beside him. Because I know that line did really well last year. The dry line was excellent, but I think there was concern about, you know, does McDavid have anyone he can play with? Because at the time, it was Zach Cassian who went on a cold streak right after he signed the contract and they kind of cycled through left wingers for him. And now at least you have Jesse Pogliarvi playing the way he is, where I think you can say, all right, he's, he's good with McDavid. Like we can keep him here. So it's more of a question of, all right, well, who does McDavid play with on the left? If Nuge is on that second line and I don't know, is there, is there a really good option still? I mean, Cahoon is a smart player, we haven't really seen him yet outside of dry sidles, so maybe that's a, an option for them. Maybe you can look at Tyler Ennis again, who I think worked well with McDavid at moments last season. But I think that's Tippett's main concern. But you got to try things out. Like when you're down three nothing again in another game, in a back to back against the top team in the division, you got to start mixing and matching and figuring this out. And next game, like no one's going to object to seeing. Nuge, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto, Yamamoto back together because, like, 
Nuge isn't even doing much with McDavid right now anyway. We just said that, that he's kind of been disappointing. So I, I think that Tippett's got to look at that soon just to see, you know, what does that look like again? We got to mix it up. Yeah, Clock, I'm with you 100% on that one. Uh, that's a line I'd just like to see together. Um, I know some people, you know, texting into 10, 12, 60 are on the bandwagon thought that, you know, it's, it's McDavid. He wants Ryan Nugent Hopkins on his line, but man, I think they want some team success. And you, like you said, you're down three nothing in consecutive games. You got to start trying some different things to generate some offense. Uh, on the blue line, we see Evan Bouchard draw back into the lineup. Chris Russell out. Uh, what did you make of Bouchard's game? And do you think that that group of six on the defense core sticks together for Wednesday night? Well, I don't think, like I said before, I don't think the first goal is really on Evan Bouchard 100%. It partly is because he kind of had a rookie moment after he lost that stick where he's not thinking, okay, I still can try without my stick to be positionally there. He's he's kind of lost once that happens. It's a, it's a bit of a deer in the headlight moment for him. And the second goal, he actually pretty much gets there on Nylander. I mean, he's right there, but he's just a shade late. And I thought that should have been savable. And after that, I mean, Bouchard had at least two or three shifts where he was on the blue line, activating, helping create a cycle with not the top lines, but the bottom lines. Like Bouchard was helping keep the Patrick Russell, Alex Chase on Gaetan Haas line in the cycle and helping Jujar Kyra's line in the cycle. And when you look at the statistics, Bouchard and Bear, I think, uh, were on the ice for 10 shots, four or five on five, and only two against, and the two against went in. So it's one of those games where the bounces didn't go your way necessarily, but I thought Bouchard re- responded really well after those first two goals happened, where Bear looked more like he's not quite there yet he's not quite healthy to me there's some decision making issues from his side where I'm going it's not the bear I know the bear I know is a little smarter than this but I think Bouchard looked better as we went along and I thought he looked good with Darnell Nurse in the small stretches we saw when they were paired together for kind of those line change moments I I think that that the blue line as it is the one change I would make and this might be a controversial hot take. Are you ready for the hot take? <laughs> oh, bring it on. Bring it on. I don't think Nurse and Barry are going to be a sustainable fit going forward. I think that that pairing, having two guys that both like to roam and make offensive plays, because Nurse right now is at all-time confidence there, to have both guys that like to go up in the play, I think that when the games get tighter checking, that's not going to work as well. And I don't think that that Barry's a guy that defensively I want playing the amount of five on five minutes you have to play to be with nurse considering the minutes nurse is taking on right now. And on a side note, you're put you're taking a guy like Evan Bouchard, who's a rookie and you're asking him to play his offside right away. That's a tough sell too. So I kind of want to see nurse be able to shelter bear again. I know that, that, that bear actually is at moments where he's, lifted up nurse and and when nurses has struggled in the past bear has kind of helped him by his puck moving and smart decisions but right now it kind of has to be the opposite nurse is playing a lot better bear looks a little bit like he's still recovering that might be the pairing you want to go with whereas bouchard might need a guy like barry playing the left side so he can be on his natural side barry has some left side 
uh, experience in the, in the past and try to keep Barry and Bouchard on offensive zone starts, like try to keep them from, from starting in their own zone. And that might be the change they have to make going forward, just because you can't have a rookie on his left side. I, I really don't think that's the play. I think that's a lot to ask for Evan. And, and I don't think Jones Larson's actually that bad. I think Jones actually, I don't really get why Jones sat three weeks in a row. He's played great. Yeah. I don't think he's been the issue at all. And you know what? Like we were kind of talking about that, you know, amongst the people here in the building, like, you know, you could get him back in, but the team was playing well and maybe, maybe that was the reason. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I like, I like how he's responded ever since the benching and I like how almost every player who's come back from that, you know, the taxi squad or watching games from the press box, like they've always responded pretty well from that, which, I think is a positive sign. Uh, Clock, what happens Wednesday night when these teams meet again? Should we get out the old broomsticks? Well, I mean, the thing is, is that the Oilers, you, you can't get shut out three games in a row, right? You just, you can't. I mean, we hope not. I, I, Buffalo even gets shut out two games in a row, and I have hope for them to score. And <laughs> the Oilers are better than Buffalo. Uh, you know, I, I think that, that they're going to start Mike Smith because he's given them more confidence in net lately. I don't know if his if his game on Saturday was that great, but I thought he played well today after being put in for Koskinen. So you're going to see Smith start, and, and he had a little bit of energy at the end of the game, which was nice. And you're going to just have to see an Oilers team that that comes out of the gate faster and – is pressuring them right off the bat a little more like there's the thing is the effort was there today. I thought their penalty kill still played really well. I mean, I didn't even notice John Tavares in this game and it's not like Mitch Marner had an awesome game either. So it's not like the effort wasn't there for me, but they really have to start better. And aside from that, I think, I think they need to have more down low pressure. I need, they need to tell nurse and Barry like, we got to give we got to get McDavid and Drysaddle more into it. We can't be firing shots from the blue line if no one's in front. At least I'll get somebody in front, and that's a big one for me. Clack, I appreciate you doing this. A couple more for you. And I know when you worked here, a lot of people would text into the uh, ten twelve sixty inbox that you and I sound alike. So I'm hoping it it doesn't sound like I'm just having a conversation with myself and pretending to be you. <laughs> I do appreciate you coming on and doing this. Uh, you are a contributor now at Fantrax. What is Fantrax? So Fantrax is a fantasy sports website that can host your NHL league, and and for me, it hosts my NHL fantasy league, which is a twenty three team very deep bench type of league it can it can really have that customization to help you out and if you're tired of the the you know the normal fantasy websites that you that you would normally use Fantrax is a great alternative I'm writing for them some fantasy tips by low sell high uh, trying to give you some trade targets for for uh, your fantasy league but yeah I've just I've used the site for a while with my own league and and now I get to write for it and and I, I want to mention this doesn't have anything to do with fan tracks, but like you say, we sound alike, which is true. Now I was going to text you tonight, actually, before you texted me, because have you ever gotten that you look like TJ Brody, that you guys look <laughs> really similar? 
You were going to text me that I look like TJ Brody? I, you look like TJ Brody. Like, you guys look like you're either brothers or you're somewhat related in some way, if not twins. You guys look really <laughs> similar. Uh, I I don't know. I'm looking at him right now. He, he might be a little more handsome than I am, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if, like, I guess I, I, if I grew the beard out a little bit, I could pull it off. I think I, I found one picture where I see it, definitely. Because I, I look like Zach Hyman, and Wyatt Zeger used to work with us at, at TSN as well. He always tells me that. He's, you're Zach Hyman, you're Clack Hyman. And he says that all <laughs> the time. And and uh, and I tell him he looks like Brett Pesci, because he does. But I, I think that you look like TJ Brody. And I think we got to find Matawanek, his NHL lookalike. I haven't found it yet. I'm trying. You got me Googling NHL players here. Okay, yeah, so I see Brett Pesci with Wyatt. With Wyatt. I do see you. With Zach Hyman, especially like his stock photo helmet off, you know, the, t- <laughs> yeah. the typical one. But yeah, okay. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, so we got to find uh, Awanek and uh, Lieutenant Eric, Hernan, Dusty, all those guys. Find their doppelgangers. Awanek is an Italian Kyle Turris. <laughs> okay, hold on. Breaking There's the some phone similarities in. in the two. So when are, when's your uh, podcast starting where you just talk about lookalikes in the NHL? Yeah, I'm working on it. I think I just need a sponsor. And, uh, you know, when it comes to lookalikes, you know, that my heritage thing was really creepy. I don't know if you saw that recently, but the, the site where you can pull up old photos and then make them animated all of a sudden, that might be the sponsor to look for. I, I, we, I'm nowhere affiliated with them. I'm just bringing it up because I saw it the other day. Go look it up if you want to be fascinated by something. I, <laughs> Shout out to my heritage if they want to throw some sponsorship money my way. That, that I'll take that too. <laughs> if they're just throwing it out there, uh, that that's really funny. I I got to show that to people because uh, the one about you that that one made me laugh pretty hard. There, uh, Brendan Clack joining us here on the Other Connor podcast at NHL Update on Twitter. You can read some of his work at Fantrax. Brendan, thanks a lot for doing this. We'll get you on again down the road. No problem, and I, I love the podcast, Connor. Keep up the good work. Excellent stuff from Brennan Clack. You can give Brennan a follow on Twitter at NHL Update. Also a contributor at Fantrax. That's at Fantrax on Twitter. Clack will be back on the show at some point down the road. Hopefully we'll get him on after a win because the game on a Monday evening was not too much fun to watch. Just like the game on Saturday, the Oilers definitely got to get things going, especially on the offensive side. Improvement on the defensive side couldn't hurt either. Lots of stuff to work on at practice Tuesday and then get ready for the game on Wednesday when the Oilers take on the Toronto Maple Leafs once again. And by that point, Austin Matthews could be back, which doesn't make things any easier, but maybe a little urgency for the Oil. Uh, Let's bring in a guy who's covered the NHL for a long time. He mostly covers the Oilers and the Jets, but we're going to talk about the NHL's North Division. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at TimNHL. You can get his writing at NHL.com. It's Tim Campbell. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm excellent, Connor. How are you today? I'm doing very good, and I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to join me here. I just want to bring you on the podcast here to talk about the North Division and and what you've thought about it so far. So, I guess first things first, uh, I'll tell you that one thing I've enjoyed about it is these series. I love the rivalry that it builds up and uh, a little animosity between the two teams is never a bad thing. What have you enjoyed about the North Division so far? I think, Connor, I've enjoyed the the stars more than anything. I mean, there seems to be maybe a little bit extra in terms of elite talent in the North and the fact that we're getting to see that a little more frequently 
than we're used to, to me, has been the biggest bonus. So that, you know, that includes Connor McDavid, includes Elias Pettersson, includes, you know, Matthew Kachuk, as much as that may loathe me to say it in Edmonton. Um, you know, Mark Shifley, Austin Matthews. Uh, there's a pretty long list, and um, when you can be treated to that every single time you're going to sit down to watch a North Division game, I think that really adds something to the season. So you've got a chance to see, of course, all the Canadian teams, and I know one guy, Oilers fans, have started to realize, yeah, he's pretty good, is Neil Pionk from the Winnipeg Jets. Has there been anyone for you that's kind of surprised you that you maybe you just didn't know he was as good as he is? In the division, wow. What a, um, yeah, you know, I'll tell you one one player and one team I, I've watched a lot, and I've watched the Western teams a little more than the Eastern teams, I'll confess, but um, one player that really intrigues me so far is Yusuf Valimaki in Calgary. I, you know, following the Flames pretty closely the last few years, and, and last year he basically missed the whole year because of the knee injury. Um, you know, I, I listen to people at the Flames talking about, you know, how they need to be patient, but they've really got something, and it just made my anticipation, I think, all the greater. And now uh, is healthy and playing a regular turn in Calgary, and I've watched him. And for an NHL rookie, i I got to say I've been really impressed um, with his poise, and he's a really good skater. He does so many things well, and I think he's going to be one of these players that you know becomes more appreciated over time. But early on here, I think he's really under the radar. But he's a he's a he's a pretty good player, and I can see why the Flames have been extraordinarily patient with his development. Do you like these series we're seeing kind of build up with uh, two three games in a row? Of course, the Oilers and Maple Leafs in the midst of a three game series, and just with uh, the travel being uh, less of an issue here, so you know guys aren't flying out right after a game. Do you think that's something the NHL could adopt going forward? Well, the first question is, I, me, I do like it, and it, it's encouraging uh, for me just as a fan to also hear. I mean, I, you know, I've heard Connor McDavid say this a couple of times already this season that. He kind of likes it as well because it's it's easier on the body when the Oilers go on the road. Um, you know, recently they were east and playing some games and not having to play a game and then fly after the game and get in really late. And sometimes in a back-to-back, you play the next day and then you fly to the next city. It becomes a real rat race for these guys, and I think uh, I think they enjoy it. It's a little easier on their bodies, so that means they're more refreshed. So that means I get a better game as a fan out of Connor McDavid and a whole bunch of other guys. So I like that. And in the future, I think the NHL is going to look for a way to maybe put some of these double games into the schedules to reduce the travel a little bit. I don't know that that's uh, wholly possible when West has to play East. Usually it's just, you know, for the Oilers, it's one trip to Florida, one trip to Dallas, you know, one trip to Carolina. You can't do much about that in terms of scheduling double games when you, when it comes to those games, but certainly the Oilers could go to Winnipeg and play two or go to Chicago and play two, any of the Western Conference you know, uh, trips to California and maybe do the circuit uh, and add an extra game you know, to, to reduce some of the overall travel, take some miles off during the season. I, I don't know that you would find any player in the league who would be against that. Really, I'd have a hard time believing they were against that. 
Yeah, I think, you know, players would like it. Even media, perhaps, covering the team. You get a couple of days oh, off sure. in a, a nice city. You could take advantage. I, I think there's some upside to it just for everyone. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that going forward. Uh, just stick with the Oilers for a bit here, just on their defense unit. Like, I I know the talk in town here has just been about how the, the problems have been good. Who do you slide into the lineup? Because they have been deeper at that position than they have been in the past. Uh, what is your thoughts on just that group as a whole for the Oilers? Well, you know, I, I think I agree with that sentiment. Sentiment: the problems have been good. I mean, these are these are problems that I think general managers they strive to have when they're when they're building a team. I mean, I, if I've heard one, you know, hockey exec, you know, GM or assistant GM say this once, I've heard it a hundred times in 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 recent years. You probably need ten defensemen, maybe minimum if you're going to win the Stanley Cup or you're going to make a real playoff push. I mean, you won't go through a season just using six guys or even seven guys. And I think the Oilers are a good example of this in the early going here. I mean, um, you've seen Ethan Bear miss some games because of injury. And William Laggison's missed some games because he was injured. Um, you know, and there have been some other issues. Caleb Jones, I believe, was on the COVID list, you know, much earlier. And... Maybe uh, maybe there are some after effects of that. So um, when you have bodies, and they're just more than bodies, I mean they're extra good defensemen ready to plug and play. Uh, that's how you get your your team through, um, you know, a, a real daunting regular season when it comes to injuries, travel, fatigue, whatever. And uh, you know this year more than any with the compressed schedule, um, there's going to be a lot of minutes on. People like Adam Larson and Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry. So um, you need to have, you know, your number seven guy, your number eight guy, and probably your number nine guy to be available and ready to put in more than, you know, maybe just three or four minutes on a given night. So I think Ken Holland with the Oilers, they've done a nice job at building up their depth. Um, I'm sure it's probably not where they want it to be yet, given. Um, you know, they have some pretty promising young players still on the pipeline, like Philip Broberg. So um, they're headed in the right direction. And that defensive depth with, you know, being needing probably 10 guys to get you through a successful season, um, you know, that's encouraging for Edmonton, in my view. You brought up Tyson Berry. Obviously, he signed this past offseason just on a one-year deal. Is he someone you'd look at bringing back for another year or even looking at a long-term contract? I think the answer to that is yes, um, but I would couch it maybe today a little bit. Well, what are we, on the 1st of March? Yeah. And we still really don't know anything more about Oscar Clefbaum's future. So I would couch it a little bit because I'd want more information about Oscar's future before I made a pretty important, and it would be an expensive decision like that. I want to ask you about the Winnipeg Jets. Obviously, Patrick Laine, the big news a couple weeks ago being traded for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, how has the team been, I guess, without Laine and with Pierre-Luc Dubois? What has he brought? Yeah, you know, that's it's a really good question, and I, I'm not sure I have a complete, you know, solid answer for you today because, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois was in quarantine for two weeks, and then he came back and played a couple of games, and he had, you know, he had a minor injury of some kind. They never did really disclose what. So he missed some more games, and then came back about a week ago. I think he came back eight days ago, 
And, uh, you know, he's played some games since. I think he's played four games. He's had a bit of success uh, with some points and some production because mainly because they put him with some pretty quality players on the first line, Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele, this past week. Um, so he's a big guy. He really moves well. Um, I, I'm not sure we've seen his best game yet, considering the disruption he's had early in the season and the time he's missed. And now, you know, you hear you hear people talking about trying to jump into the, this point of the season if you've been out, it's like trying to get on a moving train. Um, so, you know, he's probably gradually ramping toward the game he'd like to have. Um, but, I, you know, I've been on a few Zoom calls to listen to Pierre-Luc, and I've yet to hear him say he was happy with his game yet on a given night. So I think he's got a little more to give. And uh, to me, the Jets have just been able to carry on, um, you know, past Patrick Laine. They miss him certainly on the power play. Um, their power play has been okay. Um, but that big, big, big weapon off to the side, I think, used to scare the living daylights out of most opponents. Uh, they would play, and that that created a lot of possibilities for that power play. They're adapting now without him, um, trying to do things different ways. So, um, in the end, it hasn't been, um, you know, like falling off a cliff. I think a lot of people in Winnipeg miss Patrick Laine, but I think the Jets have found a way here, at least in the early days without him, to carry on and still get wins. I know you can't speak for every Winnipeg Jets fan out there, but it seemed like even to the end, Patrick Laine was still loved by the fan base despite wanting out. Uh, do you think there's any hard feelings there between the fan base and the player? Oh, I think, Connor, there's always bound to be a few. And, you know, you know this as well as I. Uh, oftentimes, you know, the squeaky wheels are the ones that get the most attention. So if there's if there's even a little bit of complaining or dissatisfaction you'll hear about that first um but i think generally patrick line is going to be held in, in pretty you know pretty high regard by winnipeg fans in the long term here if i look ahead you know two years four years six years they're going to look back at the at patrick's time in winnipeg is pretty special that, that fans in winnipeg were able to witness uh, some pretty special stuff going on at the arena when they are allowed to go in and watch games, but even on, on television that, you know, he's a pretty unique talent that just doesn't come along, um, you know, every 12 or, or 24 months. He's a guy with an unbelievable ability to deliver a puck into the net, and and he's a pretty good passer too, but that shot of his, you know, there's only probably three or four players around the entire NHL that can do what he does. So I think Winnipeggers will... Uh, in the long term, they will remember fondly Patrick's time with the Jets. Yeah, I think Oilers fans are uh, probably pretty happy he's gone, but Pierre-Luc Dubois can do some damage himself, so it's kind of a, a not really a win-win situation for the fans in the North Division. I want to just ask you about a couple more teams up in Canada. Yeah. Uh, the Ottawa Senators, I don't know what your projections were for them at the start of the year, but I can tell you around here it was a lot of negativity. A lot of people thought it would be just chalking up easy wins, but if you ask the Calgary Flames or the Montreal Canadiens, that's not that's certainly the the case uh, are they surprising you at, at any level well i don't think the senators are as bad as as some people think i mean they certainly got off to a poor start this season and you know to me there was two reasons for it one was they have you know they're trying to rebuild the team and i think they've gone about it quite the right way with some good drafting and integrating younger, promising, you know, players, prospects that they've drafted in the past couple of years, not just this year. 
um, and mixing in some veterans that can help. But the problem is, I think they played like a young team in the early going. Like certainly a couple games I watched, they, you know, they were foot to the foot to the floor for 40 or 50 minutes, and then when the game became close and in jeopardy, it was almost like they didn't know what to do, or they, you know, they reverted to a bit of uh, fear or uncertainty, and a better veteran team kind of took the game away from them and the other thing that's really hurt Ottawa and this is just my opinion and I, but I'm quite sure the stats will bear it out is their goaltending has been very below average um, you know Matt Murray was hurt for a short time earlier and and Hogberg had to go in and, and I mean it was a it was a regular occurrence um, you know one or more weird you know nutty impossible goals would go in on Ottawa on a given night, sometimes more than one. And I don't, I don't care how good or skilled you are. When you see that in four games out of four in a week you play, it's pretty, it's pretty deflating and demoralizing. And I think that's had some effect on Ottawa. Um, you know, yes, they've, they've put some wins on the board. I mean, they beat Winnipeg uh, in a game in Winnipeg not too long ago. They beat the Flames pretty badly the other day. They've certainly had some success against, Montreal, they've beaten the Toronto Maple Leafs twice, I think. Um, so taking the Ottawa Senators for granted will be a huge mistake. And even though it looks like Ottawa doesn't really have a path to the playoffs now, um, the games are still on, and anybody that takes them lightly is sure to get burned, I think. How about those Montreal Canadiens? Obviously, last Wednesday they make the coaching change. Since then, they've dropped two straight to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, <laughs> what do you make of them going forward, and can they find the form they had to start the season? I think Montreal's pretty good, Connor. I, um, you know, they had the coaching change and then played the Jets. And, you know, they played 20 good minutes and then they kind of, I think, reverted to recent form. And then Carey Price didn't really help them very much that night. Um, and, and they failed in the first night. And they played a much stronger game on Saturday night from start, start to finish. They were far more determined. Um, and, you know, they ran up against a good goalie in Connor Hellebuck and lost that game in overtime, probably deserved to win. Um, if they continue to play like that, and it, it looks to me like they can, I, I would, you know, favor the results they're bound to get with a game like they played Saturday. You know, the big question is now, will they keep that up under Dominic Ducharme, or does does it last, does the energy last five games, and then you just are what you are, you revert to what you usually do, you know, I don't know the answer to that. I, I think myself, Montreal is a pretty good team, and a lot of that's based on the defense they have. They, I think the collection they've put together on their back end is quite likely the best in the division. And, um, you know, Shea Weber's playing a lot of strong, important minutes. He looks good to me, and Jeff Petrie's having another really good start first half of the season. He's had maybe a few ups and downs, but... Um, you know, he's, and the size they have back there with um, Edmondson and Ben Sherrod as well. I mean, it, they're not easy to play against Montreal. And their forwards, they might not be as heralded as some other teams, but uh, they've got some speedy, skilled guys who can do some damage. And if somehow they can just get Carey Price stabilized and keep Jake Allen kind of interested and sharp, I, I think Montreal will be a tough team to beat in the end. I, I think they're pretty good. 
Tim, I really appreciate you doing this today. Just one final question for you. And as we look sure. at the standings today, we pre-taped this on Monday afternoon. Right now, the Leafs sitting in first in the north, followed by the Oilers, Jets, Canadians, Flames, Canucks, Sens. Do you think at the end of the year we have similar standings, or do you think any team takes a big run or even drops off? What a good question. Um, I, I, I would say to you, the, I think the standing, the, the four teams, and you know, maybe been identified, and I would hold out, you know, only only couching it a little bit, saying that Calgary, I think Calgary's good enough to make a run and take down one of those four playoff teams, but um, I, I can't say for sure they'll do it. They've they put themselves a bit behind the eight ball with with some of their early play, uh, but for Calgary, I don't think it's too late. So. You know, if you want to concede first to Toronto, uh, then you could say there's four teams uh, running at three spots here for the rest of the way. I think that might be how I'd be inclined to look at the race today on Monday. You know what? I I agree 100% with you. I think uh, the top spot might be taken, the bottom two might be taken, but two through five could be a wild finish, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it ends up. Tim, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today. Really appreciate it, and hopefully we can get you on again down the road. No problem, Connor. Have a great day. There you go. Excellent stuff from Tim Campbell of NHL.com. He, of course, covers the Winnipeg Jets and Oilers specifically, but knows it all when it comes to the North Division. We really appreciate him coming on the show tonight. You can give him a follow as well, at TimNHL. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this this final stretch of the NHL season is going to be fun, of course. It looks kind of like the Sens and Canucks might be out of it, but, hey, you never know. Team could go on a run. Maybe one of the top five teams starts to slip a little bit, and things can change very quickly. It's one of the fun things about this North Division in the 2021 NHL season. Uh, let's wrap up the show with something a little bit more positive. Maybe we all sign up on DraftKings and go try to win some money. We're going to bring in Jeff Ulrich. He, of course, writes at DraftKings Nation. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at the Fantasy Grind. And uh, Jeffrey, I guess first things first, how was the weekend? Uh, any big wins on DraftKings? Uh, it was okay. No, I mean, I uh, definitely had a, a couple losses, mainly in the, in the betting uh, category. But, um, you know, I took that under on the uh, the, the Chicago-Detroit um, game where Chicago ended up putting like eight goals up or whatever. So <laughs> that didn't work out well. But uh, it was an exciting week of hockey or weekend. I mean, especially the, uh, the San Jose-St. Louis game. I mean, one of the most entertaining Mainly because of Jordan Bennington, but uh, other than that, yeah, it was, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> that was something. Do you like seeing that from the goalies, a guy like Jordan Billington? I liked it. I mean, <laughs> I, I like watching it. I, I mean, if you had him in net, it wasn't a good night. You know, you you probably had very negative points on DraftKings those nights. Uh, those those nights are always tough um, when your goalie, you know, gets to like minus eight or something, doesn't even finish the game. But I, I liked it from the the attitude standpoint. I mean, obviously he uh, he felt like enough was enough for, from someone, and uh, you know, it, hey, it sparked his team, man. I mean, it definitely caught the attention of someone. So um, yeah, from fantasy though, uh, yeah, it was it was a write off if you if you roster banged in that night. So I, I'll I'll admit to something here. I believe it was Thursday night when Jack Eichel was a late scratch. I actually started yeah. him in tears. I ended up missing out on the money by three points. And you know, I'm fairly confident had he played or had I known that he was going to be a healthy scratch, or not a healthy scratch, but you know, not playing that game, I, I probably could have made up those three points elsewhere. When you're doing your list and, you know, even doing your lineups for your uh, daily fantasy sports, how locked in yeah. are you to like Twitter, social media, just to make sure that none of those happen and you don't make that mistake? Yeah, no, I, it's definitely a part of the game. I mean, it's, you can kind of fall into a lull with hockey because 
you don't get those late scratch situations as often as you do in basketball. So, you know, I, I, it has happened to me in hockey where I'm like, what happened? And, and I just, oh, I forgot to check. I forgot to get on Twitter and, and follow the B writers or just check the, you know, the, the major news updates that, that might put them out. It is something that, that you should be doing. I mean, it really is. You should, like, if you're playing it every night, and especially if you're trying to, like, grind out, you know, profits in 50-50s, or even if, even if you're just putting in, like, casual GPP lineups, you should at least, like, say, okay, locks then, do one more check, because, you know, things like that will, will happen. They don't have that, – that's the nice thing about hockey compared to NBA for daily fantasy sports. You don't necessarily get burned as much, but, you know, in, in any sort of nightly sport, baseball – hockey, basketball, it's going to happen eventually. So, When you do your daily fantasy hockey cheat sheet, how closely are you watching that? Because, like, just take example, this is Oilers-based, and I've heard some whisperings that Leon Dreisettle might be going through something. There might be a lower body injury. We don't know exactly what it is. But when you hear those types of whisperings, and all this could change with a two-point night against the Maple Leafs, uh, we're talking Monday, so it could happen tonight. I mean, when you when you hear those rumors, do you factor that in a lot? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a big part of trying to, to give people, like, the best information, right? And, and just for my own process as well. Um, you know, you want to know what's going on with these guys. If a guy's in a slump and you think, oh, this might be a good bounce back spot, you kind of want to dig in a little bit more. Like you said, is there an injury? Is there something serious going on? Or is it just a case of a guy just hasn't scored in three games and he's probably due for a bounce back? So definitely, um, you know, again, you, you don't want to play doctor and, and be like, oh, well, I heard this, and, and this is this type of injury, but you want to keep up to date for sure. And, um, you know, especially when you're, when you're previewing games like that and stuff, yeah. We always try to, obviously getting out, you know, articles in the morning before the slate actually locks, it's always tricky. So especially with goaltenders, I try to be as, you know, sort of explain it as best as possible, the situation. You know, if, if the goaltender's undecided, but I still think it's a good spot, you know, you can consider the backup if he's going to start. And it's a similar situation with forwards. If, if I'm recommending or I'm thinking about a forward in a situation, you think about who might slot in there. And that also lets you have an idea. If there is a late um, lineup, you know, switch, you have an idea who's going to slot right in there. So, you know, getting to know these teams and, and, and using tools like, um, you know, that give you lineups and, and um, time on ice and, and line combos, it all works to really just increase your knowledge, A, of the, the teams and how they work, but also – to, to make changes on the fly so that uh, if something does happen 10 minutes before lock, you're not left without a plan. A couple more games for the Oilers this week. Of course, Wednesday is the Toronto Maple Leafs once again. Then on Saturday, the Calgary Flames. Uh, I know I ask you about this every week, and it's kind of McDavid, Drysaddle, your obvious guys, Tyson Berry. Uh, anyone maybe lower down in the lineup that you might think could be a good sneaky purchase? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a couple forwards right now. I mean, Alex Chase on getting first, uh, first line power play minutes. Um, or power play exposure, if you want to call it. I mean, we know, I mean, as Oilers fans, you know, this guy can get red hot just as a goal scorer, right? I can't remember what year it was, but he, he, I think he scored, what, like, you know, 13 goals in 14 games, something crazy like that. I mean, he didn't score for like 10 games, but, um, you know, he's, he's good on the power play. He's good in that role, obviously, um, with, uh, with McDavid and Dreisaitl there. So um, 2,700 uh, on Monday's slate, I believe he was. You know, if he's going to keep going at that price, he just makes for a really good, cheap option for GPPs if you're rostering Dreisaitl or, or McDavid along with him. And I think to that point, I, I think the, the buy low time is, is, is here on Kyler Yamamoto as well. Um, you know, he's, he's down like well under 4K. He hasn't scored in a while. You know, he was kind of on a point-per-game pace for a bit, and he's really tallied off. I mean, he's, he's got three points in his last 10 games, but 
look, he's still getting second-line minutes. He's still playing over 15 minutes a night. He's a really talented young player, and, and there's going to be lulls. But, you know, at 3,600, again, if I'm playing Dreisaitl, um, absolutely I'll think about taking Yamamoto. So I think, I think this week uh, especially, like, you're probably going to see some bounce back from, from Yamamoto soon. I, I think he's just too good not to, to get a little bit more production out of him. And when he's down at this price, this is when I want to start thinking about taking a shot on him. So. How about around the league? And I know you do the daily cheat sheets for the NHL and, and daily fantasy sports, but any uh, couple names you want to throw out there? I mean, right now the, the hottest team is just for, uh, well, it may be in the league, but just for fantasy purposes is, uh, is, is the Wild. I mean, um, one six in a row. Uh, it's that second line of, of ever since they got added Matt Zuccarello. I mean, he's, he's you know he's he's in, um, he's just increased the production from Kirill Kaprizov. I mean, the the um, the the combo of them has been really good for daily fantasy. Like over Kaprizov's last ten games, he's, he's averaging a point per game. Um, you know, you've got uh, Zuccarello doing even better than that. So those two guys, uh, not only are they playing together at even strength, but they're now they're getting like first line power play exposure. So they've almost vaulted themselves into like the first line minutes. And uh, it, it, for daily fantasy, you've just got to keep riding it because their prices haven't come up. I mean, uh, you know, Kaprizov was still well under 5K the last time he was out. Zuccarello is still very uh, cheap as well. So. Those are two guys right off the bat. Uh, another situation uh, I, I would really keep an eye on is uh, in Colorado. It looks like uh, Kale Maker's out for a bit. Uh, Samuel Gerard typically takes over as the power play QB there. So that's something uh, to consider. He's going to be a really good cheap option if he's getting power play one exposure. And then Shane Gossespierre, um, also kind of back on track here. I mean, uh, this is a talented point producer who's like, scored 60 points in the NHL, um, now getting power play exposure for the the Flyers again. They've picked up the offense. Uh, if he got back into that first uh, first unit role, I mean, even just as a second unit, he's a really good punt play. So, a couple defensemen there, I'd really keep my eye on there with uh, Gossespierre and uh, Samuel Gerard. So you mentioned Gerard. Now, when a guy ahead of him goes down like Kel McCarr, and you know, there's reason to believe that he'll slide into that power play role. Do, do their costs typically go up, or you know, can you take advantage of those types of things? And and that's the thing. I mean, sometimes the prices will go up right away, but you know, a player like Gerard, you're probably not going to see his price point go up uh, just right away because he's having a good year. He's got 13 points in, in 16 games, but um, you know, he, he doesn't have necessarily the fantasy upside that, that uh, uh, Maker or Marker does in, um, in in his past few games. So you'll probably see Gerard. Um, you'll go up a little bit, um, but if he does have a big game, then then you might see the big increase. But these are the, that's why I always say you know you've got to keep an eye on the lineups because. Typically, these guys' price won't go up right away. Now, if they have a big game or two right after, they will, but you can definitely usually have a little bit of a grace period where you can take advantage. Very sneaky. I like that. Uh, how about teams or players you're looking to avoid in the next week? Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as teams, you know, kind of just maybe headed in the wrong direction or or teams, uh, you know, maybe not looking to pay up for too much, I mean, the Bruins haven't been that good. You know, uh, they, they kind of bounced back in their last game, but they, they're going through a bit of a dry period, so maybe paying up for for, for Bergeron in that big line. Um, yeah, something to kind of think twice about. I, I think with the way the other teams are, are, are going right now, you know, Colorado's playing better, Edmonton's playing better. When I see those Boston stud players on the slate right now, I'm kind of inclined to kind of go elsewhere. Um, you know, the, the East Division has tightened up a little bit. The, 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 you know, teams like the Penguins and Capitals, uh, they, they just tightened up a little bit defensively. The, the goaltending is pretty good in that division as well. So that's kind of one team I, I've, I've just noticed over the last week. They've definitely struggled. They bounced back a little bit. But, um, you know, offensively, the, those studs, uh, they may not be in the best position 
on uh, just versus the other studs that they're going to be going up against on the slate. So um, I think that's kind of my, my main team. Uh, you know, as far as uh, teams, you know, you, you could mention teams like the Coyotes and the Sharks and the Ducks. Uh, the Kings might be due for a little bit of offensive regression as well. But I think people already kind of know, you know, you're not going to go crazy by stacking uh, those teams most nights. But, um, you know, definitely uh, a team like the Kings have sort of out uh, outpaced their their sort of payroll, so to speak, thus far. So um, you might see them slip a bit in the standings as well. I know last week on the uh, the interview we had together, someone had asked about Austin Matthews and the, the cost and everything like that. Now for him, he's got this wrist injury, doesn't play Monday night against the Oilers. Are you a little more skeptical with him going forward? Before you start putting down that money to bring him on your team, do you have to see him maybe have a few good, strong games? Because with that wrist, he's a goal scorer, and that, that could play a huge role in his production. It definitely could be an issue if they bring him back too fast, right? Um, it does seem like they're being pretty smart about it. Um, you know, it, it sounds like he could play, but, you know, they're, they're definitely um, – they've obviously sat him a, a couple games. So I, I – I think it's probably okay to jump back on him. I mean, um, you know, he's he's obviously not going to be back in the lineup until he feels like he's got that shot near at 100%. So it might be a situation where you might take the first game to fade him um, just because of that. But, um, again, another situation where trying to kind of get as much information as possible, you know, using social media if you can and getting updates from – from uh, you know whatever the, the beat writers or, or or just articles, it could help because uh, you know th- there might be a, a blurb just uh, just to say. I mean, while he's, he's not quite 100, percent yeah, it might lead, lead you to think maybe waiting one more game. But I think that w- with the wrist injury, they're probably that's something that they're they're probably not going to rush him back from. Um, either he's going to be able to shoot full throttle or not. So I would be of the opinion, you know, let let other people get scared. I, I think once Matthews is back, he, he's probably okay to jump in on. That might be the best advice. Let the other people get scared. <laughs> Jeffrey, thanks so much for doing this again. Really appreciate it, and hopefully we'll get you on again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot, man. Great stuff from Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. You can also give him a follow on Twitter, at the Fantasy Grind. And that is going to wrap it up for us here on the other Connor podcast. A tough couple games for the Edmonton Oilers, of course, losing on Saturday. 4 nothing to Toronto, and then 3 nothing on Monday night. But the good news is they meet again on Wednesday. And perhaps the Oilers will find some redemption. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. One more thank you to everyone who hopped on the podcast today. Of course, Brennan Clack at NHL Update on Twitter. You can give him a follow. Also get his work at Fantrax. Tim Campbell from NHL.com. Also, Jeffrey Ulrich from DraftKings Nation. Give him a follow on Twitter as well, at the Fantasy Grind. He's always willing to help out if you've got some questions there. We will be back on Friday. By then, we will recap the game against the Maple Leafs on Wednesday night, and we'll look ahead to the Battle of Alberta on Saturday. I'm Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter as well, at Connor Halley. Thank you so much for tuning in again. One more shout-out to our sponsor, DraftKings, as well as the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.